Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here as always with Byron Lambert, live with Byron Lambert on location here in Indianapolis, Indiana, overlooking Hawkeye Way, which is the street that goes right in front of the Indianapolis Convention Center where the media setup's kind of nice this year. Yeah, so is our view right now. It's a good view. I'm not sure the media set. I mean, the media setup. It's like a. It's like a fucking. It's like a cattle call. I mean, the me. How much? How many media do you think that they credentialed here this year? I think it was over 1,200, maybe close to 1,300. It always sets a new record. But yeah, our our spot right here. We're in a couple nice chairs, kicking back, overlooking uh, downtown Indianapolis, where we'll be going just very shortly after we record this pod to go, at least I know I'll be having a few shots of tequila. Looking at the Catholic, old downtown Catholic church here, praying for our dynasty team. (laughs) You know what, you know what, uh, Mike Lombardi said is that, uh, they put that, they put that Catholic church right across here from the convention center because all the GMs and coaches and agents got to go in there and and take confession on Sunday morning because all the damn lies they tell each other while they're here. (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. Also about just the activities that they've been out you, swindling around at late at night. You know, well, that's very true. The we, dark underbelly of the we NFL saw so really many un- comes to life. In, we saw some of the underbelly last night. And, and you know what John Gruden said earlier today, too? We'll, we'll, we'll get to all of these uh, takeaways from today's press conferences with GMs he looked good, and uh, coaches. But he said that he's got the okay from his wife to to go out and get a little bit of woolly here, here at the nightlife. He says no, no curfew. So he told the media, "I'll be seeing, a, I'll be seeing a bunch of you guys out at the bars." That's how it goes around here. Even Gruden likes well, to get hell, a little. Well, hell, she knows that they're moving to Vegas in a year or two. Yeah, they got to get their start. Start getting their shit yeah, straight. It's always as far worth as mentioning concerned. too that of all the cities in the United States and places that may surprise you, that downtown Indianapolis is is a wonderful place and just one of the most enjoyable downtowns in all of America. Especially when the weather's like this. When now, when when it's when it's a blizzard and the snow is just is just blowing into your eyeballs. But they do their best to accommodate you here with all these skywalks and indoor convention centers you can walk through. It's a it's a fabulous downtown with tons of stuff to do and a lot of good food. And I've seen some some good looking ladies here over the years. Yeah, I mean, it's up and down with them. It's up and down. So today was our first day with head coaching and GM availabilities. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, If our voices are a little bit cracked out, it's because we have been literally firing from podium to podium, asking every fantasy football relevant question that we can think of. Half of the headlines that um, have crept up on, you know, any of these sites, um, like Roto World or any of the other. Uh, aggregators that are fantasy relevant come from your boys here at Roster Watch. That's what we're here always doing. We wanted to give 
all of our listeners here, the pod, the clearly the um, clearly the uh, first kind of uh, the first kind of report straight from the horse's mouth here, though. Also, just a quick reminder: we're going to have a bunch of cool content up for our pro members at rosterwatch.com this week. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is please. Consider getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee, and you are sub- you guys are basically the ones paying us to do all this maniacal work. So we appreciate it, and we, and we love you guys. Let's get into it. So uh, today, starting out, podium one and podium three, we had Brian Gain, the new GM from the Texans, and Hugh Jackson, who is unfortunately still the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Any takeaways from either of those two? For me, with Brian Gain, you know the one thing, and and it was this, it was the same thing that Bill O'Brien said, is that it seems like Deontay Foreman is ahead of schedule on in, in his recovery from the Achilles injury. Uh, always good to hear. I am still very suspicious that he'll be ready to go for Week One. Brian Gain said that he's optimistic that um, he'll be ready to go for Week One, though. Uh, to me, that's just too quick a turnaround. Nine to ten months for an Achilles just. If it was an ACL, that would be a different story. You know, nine to ten months for an Achilles just seems like it's just too short a, t- a, a time period. Yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly can be a um, catastrophic injury. It has been in the past, but I, I feel like Bill O'Brien echoed those sentiments, and they certainly weren't willing to put all their eggs in the, the Lamar Miller basket. So that sounds like it's – Twofold to me, it sounds like it's a little bit of a running back by committee is is the plan for this year. And, you know, you still wonder if there's any chance that Lamar Miller might just be gone and they draft a, another running back. I don't think that's the case. I see. I think this group returns. This sounds like they're hopeful that Foreman's going to be back early and able to contribute. And it sounds like a big running back by committee this year. I was a little surprised that Bill O'Brien, you know, didn't at least mention the fact that, you know, they might have to give Lamar Miller a little more extra volume early in the season. But, Look, we remember what he told us last year, that two years ago it was a big mistake running the wheels off of Miller. He wasn't a 20-plus touch guy, and they were going to try to spell him last year, and and they did. So uh, certainly very interested in anything connected to a Deshaun Watson offense, but it just sounds like there could be a lot of mouths to feed. And uh, that Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins continue to be the guys that uh, we're still most interested in. I'm, I've been thinking for a while they may need to start integrating a third target there I think it's an offense where they could utilize it Watson's capable of doing it but you know if you listen to Bill O'Brien today he'll tell you that both CJ Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin are excellent pass catchers and blockers so these are guys that they think can both play on a lot of snaps a lot of downs and be on the field so that indicates to me that you know those are right now that that kind of is their third option they they feel pretty good about their tight end game Hugh Jackson, did you get to ask him any questions? I don't like talking to Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I don't either, man. That guy I was just... hoping to snoop around on David and Joku, but look, I mean, it's just such a cockamamie and maniacal. He's not going to give you any good information, I, uh, and it's really hard to get in with those well, disgusting media He's not going to give good information because in he doesn't want to talk to his own media because yeah. they're idiots, and we talked to them last night at the bar. A couple of the guys we actually like, you know, from the sports media up in Cleveland, and, you know, I just asked him. I said, are you guys have this thing down yet or what? He said, what, what do you mean coming in here and firing around about the first pick in the draft? He said, we know it all too well. We got this. This is boilerplate stuff for the Cleveland media. And Hugh Jackson knows it. He's suffered through it already. Did you hear anything about David Njoku? No. It's the only thing I was hoping to see. Yeah, around. no, I mean, David Njoku's What is there to ask? What's there to ask? 
Um, let's move on to the next set of availabilities. We had Vance Joseph, head coach of the Denver Broncos, and Sean McDermott going at the same time, uh, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, uh, at different podiums. Were you over there for any of Sean McDermott? Were, were, were you able to ask him anything? Yeah, I sure was. I was able to get uh, Sean McDermott and GM Brandon Bean on the record about one of the golden children at Roster Watch Nation, a rookie from last year, one of our favorites, Zay Jones. Asked them both how much the – Injury held him back. Slightly different answers, uh, McDermott. Well, I want to. I want to hear both. Let's drop McDermott right here. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a rookie to come in and and really be thrust in the spotlight um, in terms of uh, you know being in a receiver position and working at different positions. I thought Zay did a uh, did a good job. Uh, obviously, he went through some highs and lows, much like some of our other rookies, Nate, as was mentioned earlier. Um, the way that, that Zay is wired, I'm confident that he'll learn from those situations. And when you look at the shoulder injury that he had that uh, really was under, flying under the radar uh, for the most part, I think it really speaks to his toughness and uh, his resiliency. And, and um, I'm anxious to get him back here as, as we move forward and, and, uh, and have a second year that was better than his first, much like any of our rookies. And you look around the league and a lot of times what you see, it's almost these guys have success, and, and they all, at times have you know, relaxed. And you can't do that. You have to take that hungry approach and and um, really build on what you did and didn't do in, in your first year. So uh, I'm confident Zay will do that. Okay, so that's that's Sean McDermott on Zay Jones. Now let's hear GM Brandon Bean on Zay Jones. Yeah, so um, what was your first part of Zay's question? Just how much the injury held him back. Oh, well, to be honest with you, um, you know, we didn't know about his shoulder. He kind of he played through that. Um, but I'm sure that limited him. You know, he, he had some contested catches that, that he's worked on uh, and, he, and he'll continue to work on. But he did a great job. You know, Zay uh, is a pro's pro for a rookie. I mean, I was really impressed with how serious he takes the game. And it's easy to talk it. He walked it. He was in early. He did treatments. Um, he had the little the injury at the Jets game that set him back a little bit. And he did everything he could. Um, you know, he worked after practice. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with Zay, and, and he's got a bright future in this league. And then your second part was Kelvin? Your evaluation on Kelvin. Yeah, unfortunately, Kelvin got hurt pretty quick. Um, I know what Kelvin can do when he's healthy. You know, he's back to healthy now, and, and hopefully this year he can stay injury-free, and I think everybody will see what his talents are. It's kind of like a wait-and-see with him, I guess, this year, just to see how the, how the year this year goes with them. Yeah, I mean, right now we're just he's he's ready to roll and and we'll you know he'll he'll come back in April and, and join our offseason program and jump in and, and we'll go from there. Thank you so much. All right, so what does all this mean for Zay? Well, so you can see they have a little bit of a difference in opinion on how much the injury held him back, but nonetheless, they both think that he's tough as hell and he's a consummate professional and he's clearly a guy they're expecting big things from. So in in Dynasty, we absolutely still love Zay Jones. Uh, he's not only does he have a chance to break out this year, I mean, they said they want to get down the field more often. He's a guy who can do it. I just think I uh, love Zay Jones. I, I just think I'm, we, I'm, I, he was he was hurt, and it's like the minute we heard that he was hurt, everything just everything became clear. Why why Zay Jones was dropping these balls? Why he couldn't extend? The well, way and that's that we the thought. one thing Bean didn't seem to think it held him back too much, but he did admit that some of those drop balls we saw down the stretch that were. Balls where he had to use his range a little bit. Balls that we would expect Zay to catch. He said that's where it hampered him, and it led to some of those drop balls, as we suspected. And, you know, I, I I think even longer term, it's of more interest because Brandon Bean 
essentially confirmed what we suspected, and that's just that this this year is a wait and see with Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, they're certainly not doing any deals with him offseason to extend uh, him. I think it was a, essentially a third-round pick they gave up for him. So he's going to play for $8 million this year, and they're going to see what he's got. And uh, it remains to be seen what the long-term future for Kelvin is in Buffalo. So Zay Jones is the really the, the set piece of that wide receiver core right now. I was over at Advanced Joseph's availability trying to figure out what the hell he's got going on there in Denver with these with these Broncos. Uh, one guy I wanted to ask about with the reports, you know, um, there have been reports about Emmanuel Sanders, about Demarius Thomas uh, today, somewhat unlike what he was um, able to say at the com, uh, not at the combine, at the Senior Bowl. John Elway just just is getting off the stage right now as we came up to record this pod, saying that it's looking right now like uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas should be back. Um, I wanted to ask though if. It, you know, just what happened to Carlos Henderson, and and you know what you know is he going the way of a Cody Latham, of a Cody Latham, or is a guy who's just gonna you know fizzle into obscurity there in that uh, Denver offense? Here is what Vance Joseph had to say about Carlos Henderson, who is coming into his second year and a player who we really liked coming out of Louisiana Tech. Evaluation of uh, Car- Carlos Henderson, you know, from what you've seen of him, and might we see more of him Carlos, on offense next year? Yeah, yeah, I mean he's. He's an explosive young player. You know, obviously he uh, missed the season. He was he was injured during training camp, but um, you know he was drafted to be a good football player for us. You know, hopefully a three or four. He's also a hell of a returner, and he can be a core guy on special teams. So we're looking forward to getting him back on the field, and hopefully he, he can contribute for us. This year. Well, so there you have it. This, I mean. Well, I'll be certainly curious. It doesn't, doesn't seem like there. You know, he he says he's a guy he's hoping can be a three or a four for us. Um. When you start hearing the coach talking about a guy he's hoping could be a three or a four and talking about his special teams, you know how that, you know how that generally goes. As we can see Mike Florio walking by. Oh, look at Florio. From look at, our he's, perch up here. Just Florio's wearing a uh, – he's wearing his, Vic, his, his, best Vic, his best Vic Carucci sweater. What is this? Walking down Hawkeye Way right here down the sidewalk yeah. through these dead trees. He's probably going off to record PFTPM, I mean, man. Well, he might have just come out of the Catholic Church. I think he is an Italian. <laughs> he's, I think he's Italian, too. He's, the, he's there from West Virginia where uh, – you know, sneaky fact about West Virginia is this, they they have a they have a whole ton of Italian people there. Well, they actually invented the pepperoni roll. Does Vance Joseph remind you of Geno Smith in the way he looks or talks? Mm. A bigger, more pumped version? Not really. Go look at a go look at some pictures of those guys again side to their side. Here, I'll tell you what though, <laughs> I think that John Elway had a little a slightly different tone when I asked him about Carlos Henderson. It'd be nice to have him back. We'll see what they can do. I mean, we had big plans for him last year. We knew we didn't know when Jake was going to be back, obviously, and so he couldn't get back. So he'll be back healthy and ready to go. And then Carlos, unfortunately, I think broke the hand or the wrist and, and uh, wasn't was uh, uh, not able to go. So um, you know, we drafted him in the third round last year. So we're excited about him too. Hey, John. Yeah. So he just to me, it sounded like this is a guy. Maybe it's him having his GM hat on, knowing what he has in invested in him he made sure to point out that that is a third round pick of theirs from last year and this is still a guy that they're uh very excited about you know elway made sure and, and this wasn't in reference to carlos henderson but in reference to some of his other draft picks he says he's a guy that he's more than willing to continue to swing and miss 
uh, and that's just the nature of this game. So I we should, he, 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 he doesn't. The, thing, he the view, thing I don't understand about Elway, dude, his whole career as a general manager is going to be a string, swing and a miss if he keeps doing this stupid bullshit, like saying he's going to he's going to he's going to bring back Menelik Watson for seven million bucks. He says he's a lock to be the starting right tackle this year. Well, my head he's gonna about exploding. He's, 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 he's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. Who's going to fire him? The the ownership. Why would he not get fired? Well, he was a dear son of Pat Bowens. I'd have to look to see if it's still the Bowen family that owns that team. It just feels yeah, like well, the, feels like he's the, the real group. king of the castle in Denver. You can't you can't keep making fucking stupid decisions. And if you have a guy like Menelik Watson in there, and if you don't get the, I mean, they need to get the quarterback situation fixed. But you can't do it with a guy like Menelik Watson. He's a human turnstile over there. Well, the feedback we're getting from maniacal Broncos fans on Twitter is that. Menelik Watson gave up a pathetic seven and a half sacks in seven games last year, but then there's a few other Broncos fans piping in saying that he picked up his play and finished the season strong. Of course that's what they're saying. Maybe that's what the internal personnel department is seeing there in Denver Oh, yeah, like they're saying the same thing that these fucking juiced-up fans on Twitter are saying. Please. Fair fair to at least remember that everybody thought Menelik was a developmental prospect, so maybe he was a— A 26-year-old developmental prospect. A long developmental prospect. How old is he now? Is he like 30? He's probably 30 or 31 by now. Um, The next guys who were up, John Gruden was up during this uh, head coach of the Raiders, the same time as Pat Shermer, head coach of the Giants. I was over there by Gruden. Um, You know, I just— I I want our listeners to to hear this. Just listen to the difference in the way— John Gruden answers a question about Amari Cooper versus the way John Gruden answers a question about Michael Crabtree. All right, so here, drop the Amari Cooper sound right here. Joining up with Amari Cooper. He's uh, got tremendous quickness. I think he's smart and versatile. He's a gamer. He likes the bright lights, and uh, he'll be the headliner in our offense. Okay, so now that we've heard John Gruden, head coach of the Raiders, uh, the way he glowingly talks about Amari Cooper, let's let's hear what he said when asked about Michael Crabtree. Uh, his status in He's on the team. I mean, I, like I said, I'd love to coach all these guys. I mean, it's a big reason uh, I was excited to get here. So uh, we'll let you know. We'll keep you updated as we gain more information. I'm going to get a chance to meet with their agent. Uh, obviously, April 9th, I'm allowed to officially start talking to these guys. So uh, Reggie McKenzie has a press conference later today at 1230. I'm sure he can update you on a lot of the contractual Those matters. are two completely different sentiments. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what John Gruden had said before about him wanting to keep Crabtree. Um, Crabtree's owed almost $8 million. It, it sounds like it's kind of coming home to roost that that guy's not going to be coming back. I think I'm going to have to start reminding you that $8 million just isn't that much anymore. I hate it too. I hate it too. But I'm just telling you, there's all these guys making seven, eight million dollars now that you think aren't worth it. That that honestly, that's just like these salaries are going through the roof. There's been so much inflation on the salaries. What about the most intriguing thing that Elway or that uh, Gruden said? And the, I mean, it's like it's like if you say it over and over and over again, it just seems like it's true. But it seems like he wants to feed beast mode. I'm he's, not surprised. He says that that's his guy. Like I've expected, he was going to love Beast he's, Mode. He's, ever he's, since he says he's counting on him. Of course, he loves. He wants veteran players. He like he's a coach that wants veteran players. He knows that's a guy that can come in and run his system. I've suspected all along he would love a Beast Mode and want to keep him. But like like he said, he, he wants a full time 
beast mode. I would like to comment on the Crabtree thing to me. I think that's an interesting one because it makes you wonder, and from some of the rumblings we've heard over the last month, you wonder if things went a little south between Derek Carr and Michael Crabtree because that was like the unbreakable bond. That was really what put Crabtree... Well, and now you hear the reports coming out. You heard the report coming out today that during there was a point in the season whenever Carr and Crabtree weren't on speaking terms. Well, that would make a ton of sense. Because just like Lynch, I I know Gruden well enough to know that he can value a veteran like Michael Crabtree. And up until last year, he was Derek Carr's guy. Uh, but I something happened this season. Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals and Dave Gettleman, new uh, GM. So a couple of p- faces in new places. Steve Wilkes, new head coach of the Cardinals. I was over there trying to get anything out of him. He would not. He he just said he's not going to talk about personnel. So fuck that guy. Um, but you were over there with Dave Gettleman. Anything interesting from him as far as? Uh, anything you were probing on? I'm sure, I, I, if I know Byron, I know he. I, I know you got a question in there about Evan Ingram, and of course one about Davis Webb. Actually, I asked head coach <laughs> Pat Shermer about Evan Ingram. He characterized Evan Ingram as a player he had really good marks on in his evaluations in Minnesota. So this is a guy he's been fond of uh, for a while. But Shermer made sure to characterize Evan Ingram as a pass catching tight end. And I think we got lucky with Evan Ingram getting such a snap count with all the injuries to the Giants last season. It'll be a real interesting situation to monitor if if Evan Ingram can maintain that kind of snap count with Shermer viewing him really only as a pass catching tight end. And it'll be that that begs the question of whether the Giants might look at a tight end in a deep class here in the draft or possibly in free agency, somebody with a little more chops. Um, in the blocking game, uh, like I said, nothing out of Steve Wilkes. Uh, we did get some good. Uh, I think you got some good nuggets a little bit later from Steve Kime about some of the guys that we were asking about, though. So, uh, up next it was um, Jason Light from the Light from the Buccaneers and Dan Quinn from the Falcons. Of course, uh, Jason Light, GM of the Bucks, Dan Quinn, head coach of the Falcons. Uh, with Jason Light, I got to uh, ask him a couple of questions. Um, I'll go ahead and drop the sound here. I thought it was pretty interesting uh, what he told me about Chris Godwin moving forward for the 2018 season. Yeah, well, we were real pleased with Chris. He came in right away with just a, a great attitude, first of all, a very mature guy, um, wants to win at all costs. He's really the definition after just one year. He fits the definition of what we're looking for in being a buck. Um just his passion for the game, his intelligence of the game, his work ethic, and all those things. He uh, he's earned the right to to earn a lot more playing time this year, and he did at the end of the year um, as well. So very reliable player. So I mean, there you have it. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. He said Godwin basically is a guy who earned the right to get a ton more playing time in this coming season, and I'm beginning to think that the 2018 season could mark the beginning of the possibly the you know I think that Deshaun Jackson's still gonna play his role. He's still gonna be the deep threat that they you know want him to be. But I think that it's gonna mark the year where Chris Godwin really starts getting some serious action uh, in this offense. And I think I don't think it's gonna hurt Mike Evans as much as it's going to hurt Deshaun Jackson. I think we could see Deshaun Jackson relegated to a Ted Ginn like role where. You know the the number of targets could go even even further and further south, and we're just really hoping for that one 
a big play on those three big targets per game or something like that. I think that Godwin could seriously emerge. I mean, he was a prospect who we really loved, and we were just wondering if the measurables would stand up when we got to see him at Indy. And, if, you know, of course, we remember last year he got to Indy, absolutely blew up the combine. So he's got not only the measurables, but he's he had the, he had the college tape, looked good. In the in the limited instances that he was able to uh, con- contribute uh, and step up last year, whenever Mike Evans was well, he was suspended for the one game and he was dinged up for maybe one or two others. Uh, God Godwin stepped up and played really well. So uh, interested to. Well, I think that's a nice piece of insurance in the case that the team decides not to go ahead and extend Mike Evans long term and ends up in a franchise tag situation. Next year, look, we love Mike Evans, but that thing hasn't really fully come together there. And there's going to be a time when they wonder well, if Mike we're going Evans to want to is... shell out $16 million a year to a Mike Evans, Jameis Winston. They're going to have to. Been working out. They probably will have to. But Mike, then the thing is with Mike Evans, you don't think it's come together. But as far as if you look what he's done in his first three seasons, the you know he's 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 on a level with with only guys like Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. Look, you don't have to tell me about Mike Evans. I, I've well, we're but all you just the... said that the thing hasn't really come together. Well, I mean, it 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 has. I mean, he hasn't reached, he hasn't reached the the elite of the elite levels that we think he's capable of. There just hasn't been. And I think statistically, to, statistically, he kind of well, has. I don't care about statistically. I'm talking about when I watch the tape, and I think that most most reasonable minded people that have watched that situation would tell you the same thing. He doesn't patrol in the same category as. Are you saying stats are for losers? I'm saying that he's not <laughs> even on the radar with a Michael Thomas right now. So he hasn't he he he's not cracking that top five six receivers in the league, and he absolutely should be, he, you know. And that brings up another question: Look, Carolina was not long for a Kelvin Benjamin Devin Funches combo. So we'll see if that's the kind of combo that Tampa Bay wants to run run with long term. I don't I, I don't think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are redundant. I'm not saying they're redundant, but it's a it's but a big Kelvin line, and uh, Funches really were. Yeah, Funch is a little – I would say it's a smaller, faster version of those two. So maybe it fits in the realm of more functionality than it did with the the Carolina Panthers. We move on to uh, – well, did you get anything from Dan Quinn? He's always real fired up. Yeah, Dan Quinn's awesome. We love Dan Quinn. He said it would be putting the cart way out in front of the horse to ever consider the idea that Austin Hooper is ready to make a leap into the Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey – uh, level of so much young tight end. So much for that, right? It is putting the, it is. Yeah, he says that's an offense that just really likes to spread it around and so yeah, that's putting the call way in front I, of I think Austin Hooper's not somebody that overly interested in dynasty moving forward. We're, we're not even to lunch yet with these uh interviews with Sean McVay and Bob Quinn. They uh, Sean McVay head coach of the Rams and Bob Quinn general manager of the Detroit Lions. Anything you took away from either of those availabilities? Any any sound that you want to drop in from either of those guys? Yeah, let's let me hear what Lions general manager Bob Quinn had to say about uh, second year player Kenny Galladay. Uh, Kenny had a solid rookie year. Kind of missed some time in the middle of the season with the hamstring. Kind of worked back. We have a tremendous amount of. Uh, I think Kenny has a tremendous amount of upside. I think he needs to really have a great offseason this year to get his body to where it needs to be. Um, he has great potential. We're looking forward to meeting, uh, working with him. If you notice, the funny part is that he wouldn't answer the second prong of my question about Amir Abdullah as a feature back in this he, NFL. Pro, Bob probably because he hates him. He hates Amir Abdullah as any kind of so centerpiece of his offense. 
or running back. So should Lions fans. And the fact is, he says they're going to be coming into training camp with four or five running backs to compete there. Uh, It's all going to come down to what they do in the draft. I certainly expect the Lions to be in the running back market in this draft. And they could draft a guy who we could be very excited about come training camp. They could draft another couple guys that's going to tell us this will just be another committee another for shitty another committee year. that you just want nothing to do with. I mean, it's even, even it's even in PPR. Theo Riddick is start like all. I just I, you know you don't want any of those guys as anything more than just you know back end fodder on the back of your roster. And I don't even want them for that because. You know, once you get to, you know, if we're talking season long, once you get to that spot on the, at the end of your bench, like those are guys that you need to just be, instead of holding on to some scrub like that, you just need to be rotating those guys in and out every week using tools like the waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com. Um, as far as any any big takeaways from Sean McVay, I mean, I think that they love Josh Reynolds. Yeah, so I got to ask him about our guys, Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett couple of things here you know what we had seen we went to Rams training camp on the first and second day of Sammy Watkins arrival there so he was still just integrating into the offense kind of from the sidelines and some after practice work for the most part this day two he took part in some positional drills uh, with the quarterbacks but it was very clear to me that Josh Reynolds was having a really nice training camp when I showed up and then had it not been for the acquisition of Sammy Watkins it appeared Josh Reynolds was on the fast track uh, to be that other starter on the outside for the team and I, I think if you listen to what Sean McVay said carefully today he talked about how he can get separation and get down the field and these kind of things and so to me, it it, it it tells me they see what we see and that he's got a skill set that's not the same, but is one that could replace Sammy Watkins pretty easily in that offense. That's a big story to watch. You know, you guys know that we like Watkins a whole lot as an athlete and as a football player. I just wonder, they're about to have a massive payroll on the defensive side of the football in the next few years. They're going to have to pay Goff. They're going to have to pay Gurley. Uh, you just wonder if, you know, can that team really afford to get deep with Sammy Watkins when, you know, he's a nice player, but he he's a luxury for that offense, uh, you know. And then Gerald Everett, the takeaway with Gerald Everett was as good as he is and how much, as much as we like him and as McVay likes him. I kind of got the feeling. It's not that a knock he, on yeah. Everett. It's the fact that they have Higby, and Higby is a hell of a player and a really good blocker. And so what that does is that eliminates the full potential of the Jordan Reed concept that people were having behind the uh, the drafting of Gerald Everett to come in and be his quote-unquote Jordan Reed after he'd come over from Washington. And the fact is Gerald Everett's very good, and he can be that player. But Tyler Higby's also very good. He's an excellent blocker, and that's just going to cannibalize the snap counts for Everett. Kevin Colbert, GM of the Steelers, uh, spoke today at the same time as Brian Gutenkunst, the new GM of the Green Bay Packers. I I was you know what I was sniffing around the most was uh, I'll I'll let you hear from both. I asked the same question of both uh, Brian Gutenkunst and um, Mike McCarthy about what's going to happen with Ty Montgomery now that there are these two young runners in Aaron Jones and in Jamal Williams. Is there any way that that could be sort of a one-two punch and move Ty Montgomery back to the slot? Let's let's hear what Gudenkunst said first. Yeah, you know, he's he's Ty's a very very versatile player. He can do a lot of things. I think the beauty of having a guy like that is he can we kind of plug him in where we need him. Um, you know, he I thought he was an outstanding running back. 
um, that making that transition is not an easy one. I thought he did it fairly quickly. Um, so, um, you know, I think we're big on trying to acquire as many versatile players, whether it be on offense or defense, as we can. And Ty's one of those guys. So I think he can do a multitude of things. I don't think you have to pigeonhole, pigeonhole him in one thing. Brian, most recently. Okay, so uh, the- there you hear the GM view, and you hear at the very beginning, he basically deferred the question to the head coach. And then gave his answer. <laughs> um, let's hear what head coach Mike McCarthy well, said. You know, first thing, Jamal and Aaron did, did a lot of good things, and you know, the two probably the most important statistic for me in evaluating players uh, as far as you move forward to the next season is is availability. You know, I you know I, I have a depth chart uh, boards in, in my office, and it has their picture, has their original tag, their number, and and, and has a tag of their. Other playtime. Playtime is is really the reflection of availability. Um, you know, none of our running backs this year uh, were available for the whole season. So that's that's the first hurdle. That's the first challenge that that, that, that they need to meet. Um, so in Ty's particular case, you know, his availability the last three years has has, has been his challenge. But uh, he's a multi-positional player, so he's a running back to answer your question. Uh, but he gives us great flexibility to use him so many different ways. So that that, that won't change. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to need all those guys next year. So that's, that, that's going to be our approach. And there you have it. Mike McCarthy doesn't trust any of them to stay healthy. Not a single damn one of them. Well, what do I tell you every year? <laughs> he says he says it's he says he says no. Ty Montgomery's a running back, and you know my biggest ability is is availability, and that I have a I have a chalkboard up in my office that has their picture on it, and it has where they come from, it has their grade, and it has the and it has how many plays they were healthy for, and none of those guys could stay healthy. Well, we always say at the Packers, this thing five is running this backs. thing. Hey, dude, if you look. If you're trying to nab Aaron Jones or one of these guys late in your best ball leagues or Jamal Williams, one of these dudes, just keep in mind you're not going to be able to start them in week one. Not a, not a single one of them. Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, you won't be able to do it because you don't know what the hell's going to happen. You're going to have to hold those guys until everybody else gets hurt, well, and but, that's when you're going to be able to use them. But what about in Dynasty where Ty Montgomery, I believe this might be his last year of his contract. Do you, how, does, how does this information affect in Dynasty how you feel about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones? It, it it makes me think that you're just always you're just right about about how the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy are always going to use a bunch of these idiots. You're not going to be able to have a guy in Green Bay at this point at this point or until something drastically changes who you can plug and play as your RB two or even your flex for the season. You just you, you can't. You're gonna have to wait to use those guys situationally whenever they get hurt because it, like 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 the you know. Like the head coach says, man, like those guys are always hurt. Feels like a body blow to Jamal Williams owners. Um, let's see. Next up, there was uh Matt Nagy talked from the Bears, but boy, there was a huge crowd around him. Were you able to get any questions in with with uh with with Matt Nagy? Yeah, a couple of good ones. He said he is taking it as his personal challenge. Uh, for a lack of a better word, he's taking this very personally to see if he can get Kevin White right. Well, you love hearing that. You love to hear that if you're any kind of Kevin White speculator, because it's been body. Speaking of body blows, it's been body blow after body blow with that idiot. Um, but you know, hey, he has all the ta- he has all the talent in the world, and maybe that could it could make sense, man. I mean, it's like. You talk about all the wide receiver help that those guys need. He might look at that team and say, like, look, I, I mean, 
I have a big, beastly round one X wide receiver here already on the roster that just hadn't come into bloom yet. I like that. I like that. Um, what about uh, during that same period in time? Uh, Duke Tobin of the Bengals was up there. I'll just I'll let you hear what um, he said here about. I think Byron, you asked him about. Joe Mixon and John Ross. Yeah, Joe uh, played a much bigger role for us than John. The question was on John and, and uh, uh, Ross and Joe Mixon. We've had a, a run here where our first-round picks are hurt. Uh, William Jackson bounced back this year and became what we thought he was, but he missed his whole rookie season. Uh, John did not get off to the start he wanted. Uh, injuries played a big part in that, and we expect big things from him coming, uh, coming on in the future. He's going to be a big part of what we do. But uh, it's hard to predict injuries, and uh, and he got a slower start than what he wanted. Uh, Joe really came on in the late part of the year for a second half of the season, and he's going to be our bell cow running back. We're going to combine him with Gio, and we really feel good about that position group. Well, get on board. I mean, I'd say the right Joe along. Mixon workhorse bandwagon. Um, Joe Mixon's our bell cow. That's what he said. You heard it right there. I'd say right along with the Amari Cooper news from Gruden, this was the biggest fantasy headline of the day. Yeah, confirmation that Joe Mixon is the bell cow in Cincinnati and confirmation that Amari Cooper is going to be the focal point of the Oakland Raiders offense under John Gruden. And that's a guy I kind of wanted to ask him, but he had a huge crowd. And, it, you know, what's he really going to say? But you got to remember Gruden coach Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. And you got to admit, there's a lot of both of those guys to Amari Cooper. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, quickly here, Alex, just a couple other little things. Dirk Cutter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers happened to mention that he seemed far less than enthusiastic about the state and quality of his offensive line, which is I know is in a position group that people thought was improving last season. It certainly didn't show up for anybody this year. And then I thought it was interesting that Kevin Colbert, who's been the absolute wide receiver whisperer, said that he really has. He said that even Juju, he said Juju outperformed our evaluations and expectations. He, like he didn't even he know that it, everybody's. He had no idea it was everybody like this. Because he's so much faster than than everybody realized. And just awesome. His long speed's just so good and it's just it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't completely He was more a guy that won with smoothness and sickness as our boy Cecil Lammy <laughs> walks by below. Denver Broncos insider and man of many uh, many sport coats. Maniacal and cockamamie <laughs> fortes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what about what about uh, so that there was Rick Spielman, there was Steve Kime, there was Mike Vrabel. Any any takeaways from any of those yeah, guys? A bunch of those. So Spielman confirmed what we have been suggesting on the podcast and. I mean, this is definitely going to be a Latavius Murray-Dalvin Cook combo backfield. I actually asked about how those two were going to be, optimally how those two were going to be used. He said that he was going to leave that for Zimmer as far as, um, as, far as you know, the, the, the workload split. So I'll be very excited to ask Zimmer about that. But just here, you can see right here how much Spielman loves Latavius Murray. Uh, I, I would prefer to leave that with Coach Zimmer. I think they're two different styles of backs. I think Latavius did an unbelievable job for us last year. Um, he led our team in explosive runs last year once Dalvin got hurt. Um, also, I think we were one of the top or tops in the league in third down, fourth down, and one situations. Also, 
much better success with the uh, when we were in goal line situations as well. And I know that was uh, an area that we needed to improve on. I think with the combination of him and the combination of our offensive line that we redid last year, that that made a significant difference in our success in those areas. So other than that, uh, we know Spielman loves Latavius. I, I, you know, I don't know how far this. I think the, this coincides with the good move we've made on the best ball cheat sheet to get Dalvin Cook moved down, almost into that Joe Mixon type area. I think that that's sort of where he belongs at this point Dude, in time. Dalvin? Oh, yeah. I like Joe Mixon way better than Dalvin well, Cook. Well, but we're not talking about rankings here. We're talking about the tool, and we're talking okay. about all this stuff against ADPs. ADPs. Okay. Um, well, so, I expect that to change quite a bit, and I, it should should have never been like that. But as you, usual, the we pub, have to be the ahead of the curve. Donks. We have to be ahead of the curve. I'd also so. mention that Rick Spielman is holding out hope uh, for some kind of pulse out of Laquan Treadwell this year, as coming in as their like wide receiver four. He said that he said the most interesting thing with Laquan Treadwell is just he's like he said he's too nervous and too hard on himself, and he doesn't relax, and he's just hoping that that's kind of thing he can get get a handle on he said you know they hope to to squeeze some juice out of this lemon this year and see what it looks like moving forward and then of course I pestered Titans new head coach Mike Vrabel who's an awesome dude just an awesome commanding nice well, they say he's an alpha among alphas just an seemed like a really emotionally intelligent just a smart guy man that has good life experience uh, he's going to be a good leader of men, I believe, for the Tennessee Titans. And got to ask him about the Titans running back situation. So you can hear it, him break it down first right here. We have some big, powerful runners. Um, DeMarco is a proven player in this league. Uh, Derek is a, is a young player that, that performed well uh, when, when given opportunity. Excited about uh, Flew Ellen. Excited about David. You know, Kafani, we don't we a little bit of an unknown, but but certainly just like every position we talked about, we're looking to add and improve at every position on our roster. You see Derek being the lead back next year? In May and June and July. We'll have the best plays just like everybody else. But we'll find out if we got good coaches in April. Mike and then a few minutes later I, I was realizing that he wasn't really ruling DeMarco Murray out, and this thing sounds like it's could be back in full swing, so I asked him specifically, you know, about the reports that had come out of uh, come out recently that Demarco Murray may be a salary cap casualty, and if those reports were erroneous. And here are his thoughts on that. You know, I don't get into a whole lot of reports outside of our building. I think what's most important is is what happens inside our building and what John and I uh, view as important to our team. So as far as reports, I couldn't comment on those, but I know that John and I understand that he's he's under contract and that uh, we'll move forward until he's not under contract. So I it was a little bit of a a little bit of a dichotomy in responses there. If you if you listen to the first piece, I was feeling pretty confident they're going to have Demarco back, and then in the second piece, he you know he didn't really dispel erroneous. He just kind of said he's not in the business of talking about. Uh, you know, As always, what, what they do, what's real and what's not. He kind, he kind of played poker right. on the second question. So, nonetheless, still, still anything but definitive and a situation to monitor for all the Derrick Hendry uh, truthers and loyalists out there in our dynasty leagues. 
for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Howie Roseman and uh, Doug Peterson, GM and head coach, both talked right around lunchtime. Um, you know, one interesting takeaway I thought from Doug Peterson, he, uh, this is where I asked him about Corey Clement and based on his role you know, down the stretch of the Philadelphia Eagles 2017 season, if we could expect an increasing role in 2018. Like Corey did an outstanding job. You know, he um, undrafted, free agent, came to our team, worked hard in the offseason, put himself in a position to play. Um, special teams player, you know. The thing is, I think going forward, his role possibly on special teams could expand a little bit more. Um, obviously, in the offense, you know, with, with Jay and, and the guys we have, you know, uh, it could increase some. You know, we don't know until we start we start practicing and seeing how the roster shakes out. But was real impressed with him and uh, some of the plays he made down the stretch, uh, even throughout the course of the season, the catch in the end zone, you know, in the Super Bowl, and uh, really a couple catches uh, in that Super Bowl game to really stand out the way he did for a rookie player. I'm really excited about his future. And you hear what he says there, and I fucking hate it. Anytime I ask about an increased role, and they start, they go immediately talking about special teams. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, I'm not sure that this is going to be something where we're going to be able to count on Corey Clement and our flex on a week to week basis. I'm, just, I'm not sure that the touches are going to be there. When you're talking to about, you know, more involvement on special teams. Uh, you know, not so much about you know what the guy can do for your offense when you're an offensive-minded guy like like Doug Peterson. I felt I felt like I I felt like I just kind of laid it up for him to to kind of talk about the guy that, and you know, he did mention the big you know some of the big plays he made. Of course, the big play, the big catch in the Super Bowl, stuff like that. But didn't really say that you know that kind of what I thought he would say that Corey Clement really looked like a. a awesome spark plug and playmaker there down the stretch. Well, Howie Roseman certainly had no problem coming out and admitting that to me. He gave a glowing endorsement of Corey Clement and how they missed on him and the intelligence that it took in order to get him in the building and what a player he was. But to me, what Doug Peterson is saying is that what we suspected, I just think LeGarrette Blount is going to be back. And if that's the case, it's a three-headed monster. What are you really going to go up there and say a Corey Clement? And this is a reminder to the listeners that the – Full extent of this audio will be available for our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. As usual, put the whole library of our 2018 NFL Combine audio with all the coaches and general managers in this league where we're snooping around these fantasy questions. We'll put that up on the site for you guys. Uh, there will be a whole bunch more of it coming tomorrow, and it looks like there's a few interviews that still trickle in on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So let's just each um, – we've been through most of these guys, but there's still a ton of other stuff. You can go to rosterwatch.com and – Listen to you can listen to all of our questions. They're all probing for fantasy football intelligence. Um, just, uh, just one more thing I wanted to hit on. There, uh, two things actually. Uh, just the Colts and the running back situation there. Um, asked Frank Frank Reich about you know w- what his thoughts were about Marlon Mack and if he was capable of carrying the load. He would not answer that question directly. Here, I'll just drop the audio for of, of Frank Reich and the Marlon Mack I question here. remember writing up Marlon uh, when he came out. I had, high, I had high march on Marlon. I thought he was a good explosive runner, good short area quickness. Um, seemed like an aggressive runner. So obviously the evaluation process ongoing as far as how he fits here. Is, it, is he a guy who you think is, ca- is capable of carrying the load? Um, 
we'll have to evaluate that as we go. Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, I was able to ask a, a follow-up with him about the virtually the same question, just what's going on with this running back, you know, What's going on with the running back room? Because, you know, today the news came down uh, in these availabilities that Frank Gore had, was let, you know, he was he was made aware uh, after the season ended that he would not be being brought back, that the team was going with a little bit of a youth movement there at the running back position. So, you know, no Frank Gore. What does this running back room look like? Uh, here's what here, here's what GM Chris Ballard we, said. We, uh, we think the draft is good. You know, we kept Matt Jones around for a reason. We think Matt Jones has got potential. We thought really at the end of the year during practice, Matt Jones was coming on really well. So we like what he has. And then we got Ferguson, um, who can be a mismatch back. So we think we have three options on the team that are pretty good. And we'll see how the draft and free agency works out. And all of a sudden, we're hearing names like Matt Jones. (laughs) I mean... He's saying there's a reason we kept Matt Jones around, and and you know, and Marlon Mack. But you know, there's no talk about Marlon Mack as a as a feature guy. He even started talking about Josh Ferguson. You know, I don't think they're going to go with Saquon Barkley early, but I do think you know he did mention that this is a draft with a ton of good running backs. The the Indianapolis Colts are going to be drafting a runner, and depending on which runner they draft, we could see a lot of value there with the guy. Because I mean, we we know about Matt Jones; we've been down that road before. We know that nobody will say will come out and say that they think that Marlon Mack is a is a running back who's capable of carrying the load. And we know that Josh Ferguson sucks. Yeah, I would uh, I would add that uh, you know Chris Ballard he could obviously be playing poker at the at the podium that's what begins to happen obviously this time of year right here at the combine but if you read the tea leaves and the nuance of what he said certainly I agree that uh, it strikes me that he doesn't tend to value the running back position or covet it uh, at, at any kind of premium value uh, and and look I admire I, in some ways I admire him as a uh, talent evaluator because he came out and told us exactly what we know and that is the extraordinary depth of this running back class, we've already got, gotten into the nuts and bolts of the top 20 of these guys, and we agree this is at least 15 deep of really quality players. And so, you know, you factor all that in. I say, well, maybe I admire Chris Ballard for understanding that he doesn't need to burn an early pick on a on on one of the lower priority positions in the league, and there's a lot of depth there later in the draft. He was talking about the value at the offensive line and running back position in this draft. So I expect him to go to the well for both of those potentially multiple times in the draft, but I'd expect it to possibly be on day two and day three. And, you know, I, if you split the hairs, I, I to me, Chris Ballard, as he meandered through his line of reasoning about the wide receiver depth chart on his roster, it sounds to me like wide receiver is a position that they're a little, they would be more willing to invest more in free agency or in the draft than than maybe the running back position. And, you know, I wonder if they – maybe they, they might draft two running backs late. They might draft one running back. They might get a, a cheap veteran in a second wave of – second, third wave of free agency to come in for, for camp. The last thing that I just wanted to get to before we get out of here, um, Andy Reid, head coach of the Chiefs. I just – I wanted to ask him, and I'll just let you hear it right from him, you know, with a with a healthy Spencer Ware, what does that mean for Kareem Hunt's workload? Yeah, uh, we'll see how that that goes. Uh, we thought we had a decent number for um, you know for Kareem this, this year of plays. We probably need to increase uh, the pass part of that a little bit more um, and expand on his role in the pass game. 
um, although a healthy wear would be a, a nice problem to have there um, at, at that spot. They're best friends, um, as Kareem's told you before, and so uh, that would be a nice tandem to have back there for sure. And I guess um, I find that answer encouraging. For if you're a Kareem Hunt owner in Dynasty, uh, there have been some worries about Spencer Ware, you know, ha- having another year left on his contract. Of course, we know Sharkandrick West still has another year left on his contract. Who knows if they're going to keep him around? Um, Andy Reid said, yeah, you know, that's a good problem to have, having both those guys healthy. But he said, look, we were happy with where we had Kareem Hunt in his workload last year. And he even went on to say, we'd even like to get him more involved in the passing game. So this isn't a situation where they're looking to get the ball to Kareem Hunt's hands or where they're going to be swindling us as fans. Well, it's what he said about Tyreek Hill last year. Remember, he told us we got to get Tyreek Hill the ball more last year, and they did. You got? Do you have any any of these others you want to get to? Yeah, want- just I I I would be disappointed if I didn't at least share the two biggest surprises of the day with the listeners here. One of them is huge news. The other one is, I think, more maniacal news that guys like us just. <laughs> really love to get in, get down and roll around in. Let's start with that one first. Steve Keim absolutely loves Ricky Seals-Jones and says he's only scratched the surface and that that guy is a huge mismatch on them for offense. Go get him in Dynasty, especially in the, in the tight end premium leagues. And then the other real big news of the day that frankly surprised us quite a bit based on what we know about the roster, the organization, and all the players and decision makers involved is – that Dave Caldwell told us point blank that Allen Robertson is a, a good guy and a good player, and he does some things well, but that they're going to have to take their time and decide what's in the best interest of the organization. It's in the best interest of Roster Watch as an organization for myself, Alex Dunlap, and my co-host here, my business partner, Byron Lambert, to get the hell out of here, go get a few beers, Go snoop around, figure out what the hell these guys are out here talking about. It's the underbelly of the NFL. It is in Indianapolis. We're so happy to be here in Roster Watch Nation. We cannot thank you enough through your pro memberships at rosterwatch.com, allowing us to be here doing this work for you. So uh, until probably tomorrow, we're going to have um, more interviews with head coaches and GMs tomorrow. Uh, we'll have more podcasts coming out during the week here. As the week comes to an end and we get more into the weekend, these podcasts will turn more into prospect evaluation podcasts, uh, prospect interview podcasts, and um information about our live viewing inside Lucas Oil Stadium of the wide receiver and quarterback drills that we are two of only 30 members of the media uh, they get to view every year. Also a reminder, if you're a, a listener on Sirius XM, we'll be live on Sirius from Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m. live from here uh, at the Combine and also on uh, Sunday from, what is that, from 11 to 2 p.m. Eastern it's so, a couple of big three-hour roster yeah, watch dude, monsters. Gonna, your boys from roster watch are going to be out there in the middle of the whole media scrum on the one big elevated NFL radio um, podium up there, up, up, up there yelling to all roster watch nation and all these citizens of the universe. So, uh, for Byron Lambert, for the Trash Man, for the Robot Genius, and for all of roster watch nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time. Yeah.